Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Amen. Would you give God some praise right now? Just worship in Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we praise you, God. You're wonderful. We adore you, Jesus. Amen. I'm happy to um, be here with you all on this Back to School Sunday. Um, all the horrible nightmares and memories started coming back. And they were talking about back to school and the, getting stuff in your backpack, thinking about having to go back to class. I, it was miserable thinking about that. Um, but, no, I'm excited to, to be here. Wasn't the VSM worship team awesome? Wow. Um, you know, it's one thing to have, um, you know, a group of young people worshiping up at the front as we do, but it's another thing to have a group of committed young people who are willing to serve and willing to love the Lord through the worship. Um, that was amazing. Um, if you have a, a Bible, we're going to be turning to uh, Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 19, and I'm going to be reading through in the NIV. Um, God is doing great things in VSM. Um, I love Sunday morning church, but I'm kind of biased towards our Wednesday night service because um, I get to be upstairs and have fun and act like a teenager again, um, you know, with all the kids. Well, they make me feel like a teenager again. Maybe I don't act like one, but they make me feel like a teenager. We already got one run the aisles, praise God. Um, but I, I love this group of students that we have here. Um, I just love how they sit together. It's just, it's just a strong group. We have a strong group of young people in this church. The future of the life church is bright. Um, we have wonderful students that love the Lord. Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 19. Um, Jesus and Peter, James, and John have just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration and they come upon a scene and so we're entering into this scene. It says, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a, a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. Jesus, he says, what are, you, what are you arguing with them about? And a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Jesus, he says, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Jesus says in this passage, you unbelieving generation. And I want to talk about a generation of faith. A generation of faith. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for every single person in this congregation, Jesus. We thank you for 
where you've brought everybody from and what you're doing. Lord, as we break the bread of life, I pray that your spirit would meet us here, God, and speak to us through your holy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. The Bible, the Bible makes some radical claims about faith. Um, you know, sometimes you read the Bible and some things kind of shock you by what you, what you read because um, maybe it's a thought you've never thought about before or it's um, a verse that's convicting, but the Bible makes some radical claims about faith. In James chapter 1, James is, he's, he's writing about um, asking the Lord for wisdom. He, he's saying if, if anybody wants wisdom to, to ask the Lord, and he says that the Lord gives wisdom generously. And so I, you know, I'm reading that, and I'm like, all right, you know, the Lord gives generously. I'm, I'm going to ask for wisdom. That sounds, that sounds pretty great, pretty easy, right? But then James has an addendum, he says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave that is tossed by the wind. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. I, I read this text and to be honest, I, I question, do I doubt? When I ask the Lord for wisdom or for, for anything, it says with, with, without doubting, with no doubting. God will give if you don't doubt. But I, I, come, I come to the Word and I come to the Lord, and a part of me, there's that piece of everybody that, that doubts the Lord. The writer of, of Hebrews says, but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is rewarder of those that diligently seek him. It's impossible to please God without faith. Again, some of us may come, come to these scriptures and the scriptures are authoritative and it's, it's the word, a word of God. And so when we, when we read the word of scripture, it's, it's speaking truth, it's speaking life, it's speaking a reality probably more real than our present reality. And it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. And again, I think as humans, our insecurities and our own faith might rise up and say, God, do I, do I have faith in you? Lord, am I, am I pleasing you in my faith? Jesus, he comes back to his hometown in Nazareth and Galilee and He's teaching in the synagogue, and he does, he does a few miracles there, but, you know, this is where Jesus, this is where Jesus grew up. Um, the people in Nazareth saw Jesus running around in, um, you know, diapers. I don't know what they had back then. Maybe not. But they, they, knew, they knew who this boy was, and he comes back a man, you know, his shoulders a little bit more broad. His, he has strong hands. He's been, been a carpenter. He comes back, and they watch him kind of walk up to the, 
in the synagogue and start teaching authoritatively. And he performs a couple of miracles. And as we know, the saying, familiarity breeds contempt. And the people of Nazareth start to question, isn't this, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this that kid that, that we saw here? You know, I don't know if Jesus was a troublemaker or not. Probably not. Um, be an interesting study. But it says, you know, he, he's, he's standing here teaching and, 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 and performing some miracles. And they're, you know, who isn't this the carpenter's son? And then Jesus leaves and the gospel writer says that Jesus could not do many miracles because of their unbelief. Jesus could not do any miracles because of their unbelief. It didn't say that, it's not just that he didn't do any miracles because of their unbelief, but it says that he could not do any miracles because of their unbelief. And several times in the Gospels, Jesus links a person's faith to the miracle that he performs in their life. Whenever, several times, he'll heal somebody and he says, let it be done for you according to your faith. And then he says, he, he will heal somebody and he says, your faith has healed you. How are we supposed to deal with these claims in the Bible about faith? I don't know about you, but I don't always feel so strong in my faith. I don't feel like I believe as strongly as I should or I'm not, I'm not praying for something like I should or I don't, I don't see God working. I don't have the amount of faith that I have. But in the Gospels, it says your faith has healed you. Jesus couldn't do works in Nazareth because of unbelief. How are we supposed to deal with this feeling of unbelief? How are we supposed to feel when we don't feel any faith and we, we don't even know if we have faith in the Lord? The Bible makes radical claims about faith. As we enter into the story that I read at the beginning, um, Jesus is approaching this large crowd with Peter, James, and John, and there's teachers of the law there, and there's, there's this, this huge, huge commotion. Jesus is approaching, and he sees, he sees a young boy on the ground just kind of writhing, and, and a, a father is there next to his boy, saddened at, at what's going on, and there's a, there's a huge commotion, there's arguments. The disciples, the other, the other nine, are looking discouraged, and so Jesus approaches this scene. And as Jesus approached, all the people came up to him with wonder and, and came to greet him. And so Jesus, he's, he's trying to figure out what's going on, and he asks his disciples, you know, what, what, are, you, what are you arguing about? What's, what's going on? And then a man in the crowd approached Approaches Jesus, and this is a father whose son is is dealing with um, a demonic spirit, and so the the father comes to Jesus, and his countenance is kind of sullen, and he he approaches approaches Jesus, and he says, "Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed." 
him of speech. Whenever it, it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. What were the disciples, how were they trying to cast out this evil spirit? Maybe they were trying with their own accord to cast out the spirit. I don't know, maybe they thought they had some kind of superpower now that they were disciples and kind of just waving their hand at the, the demon, you know, trying to see if it would come out. Jesus, he sees this, and the disciples are not able to cast out the demon, and so the Father approaches Jesus with such humility. And apparently the people there did not have faith. And that is why Jesus says, You unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And so they brought, they brought the boy to Jesus. And the evil spirit inside that boy immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. This is a dramatic scene. Jesus is standing there. There's, there's people watching, trying to figure out what's going on. A father is crying. A boy is writhing all over the ground, just making all kind of noise. The spirit inside of him is, is just he's seeing Jesus. He's about to approach Jesus. And Jesus, I can just kind of see his tone. He's... He saw him as well, and he, he asks the boy's father, he says, how long has he been like this? He sees, he sees the boy struggling and just going through something horrible, awful, evil. Jesus saddened to see a father wrestle with his child who is possessed by an evil spirit, and he says, how long has he been like this? And the father answered from childhood. You don't know how old that boy was. But imagine all you fathers in the room, your young boy, writhing on the ground and, and wrestling with something. He doesn't even know what's going on. A boy that age has no idea what's, what's going on. He doesn't know what entered into him. How long has he been like this from childhood? The father says it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. The spirit is trying to kill this boy. He's trying to throw him into fire, throw him into water to drown him, to burn him alive. And then the father says, this is, I, it racks my brain what the father says. He says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus is standing right there. A miracle worker, a teacher. They might not know he's the Messiah yet, but a, boy, a father is bringing his son. And he, he sees a master who he knows has healed other people, and he says, if you can. If, I don't know if he was, he was kind of looking down at his feet, you know, kind of kicking the dirt. And, I mean, if, if you can, you know, take, take pity on my boy. And I think this scene is, uh, it speaks to some of the relationships between parents and their children in this age. Um, our world is getting wickeder and wickeder. Um, as I'm 
growing into manhood and adulthood, I'm 24, I'm starting to, to understand some of the rules that my parents gave me when I was a, when I was a kid. I'm starting to see the world, and I'm, try, I'm starting to understand um, how there's, there's an attack on, on Christian values, and there's an attack on Christian faith, and, and everything, the, the secularizing of our culture, it's, it's horrible. It's, it, it saddens me. And a lot of the times, what happens is pressure from the world comes upon young people, and they're influenced by demonic, um, the spirit world, the powers of darkness, the powers of evil. And thankfully, demonic possession is not, this dramatic does not happen so much these days. It does, assuredly. But most of the time what happens is the devil will masquerade himself, will, will put on a mask and you know, offer a, uh, a momentary pleasure for our, for our young people, and just from pressures from the world, um, I, in my estimation, just what I've seen, I've seen that the two pressures from the world that the enemy uses on our young people are, is, is music and um, friends. Probably friends is the most powerful thing. So, parents, you know this, but watch um, what friends or students have, and music, and I can just see this, this happening to generations of, of students. They're, they're unaware of what's going on to them, but in, internally they're writhing around. They feel something's not right, and they're, 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 they're having discord with their parents. They don't want to come to church. They don't know why, but it just feels like something's wrong inside of them. And again, this boy, he doesn't even know what's happening. And from the pressures of the world, this happens a lot to our young people these days, from the pressure. Because it's all around us. It's in the air we breathe. We live in a post-truth society. Anything goes. Whatever's true for you is fine. And so our students don't even know. You don't even know what's happening because their brains are not fully developed. They don't even understand why they're thinking this way or dealing with these things. And it's the enemy. It's the forces of evil coming against the people of faith, coming against the church. And I can only... It's hard to blame the father for losing faith. This kid has is, is dealt with this writhing around in demonic activity since he was a child. I'm sure as the years went by, the father began to lose faith. How many times did he pray and ask God, Lord, heal my son. He's, he's, he's having another episode. He's, he's going through this again. He's trying to get thrown into the fire. The, the, the demon is trying to throw him into the water. I can't imagine as a parent how easy it would be to lose faith in such a scenario. And so that is why as this father brings his son to Jesus, he says, if you can. He has no faith left. The mother's not in the picture. Who knows? It might be a broken family. The family might be broken. His, his son doesn't love him anymore. He doesn't want to live for God. He's, he's, in, he's influenced by some kind of evil activity, and he comes to Jesus. He has no faith left. He says, if you can, the master is standing right there, if you can. Jesus, he sees this father with no more faith left. He sees the boy struggling. 
And he repeats the Father's words right back to him. He says, if you can, Jesus says, everything is possible for one who believes. Everything is possible for one who believes. And everything's starting to, to boil up in this father's spirit. All the, the years of, of pain and agony, family trouble, demonic activity, the world getting into his son. He's lost faith himself, and he's standing before Jesus, and he realized something is happening. And he's, he's standing there with no faith at all. And he's, he's at his wit's end. He's about to give it up. And he brings his son to Jesus, and he hears Jesus say everything is possible for one who believes. And then Scripture says that his father cried out. The word there, it literally means he yelled. It's, it's a guttural kind of cry. He says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. He's tired of what's going on with his son and his family. And he comes to the Lord, and he says, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Because Jesus works where there is faith. Where there is a people of faith, Jesus will work. But I think the Father speaks for most of us in this church. Most of us who are human. When we come to the Lord, we often feel our inadequacies, our shame, things from the past, family problems. Our kids don't love God. What's going on? We come to God and we honestly say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. It's an honest prayer. One of the most fearful things is to be honest before God. Because there's no hiding anything. When you talk to your people, your friends in church, you can put on a wall and you can just deflect everything. When you come to God, there's no hiding anything. The walls are down and you bear your soul before the Lord. He says, I do believe. But he prays the most honest prayer, I think, in the Bible. He's standing before God in the flesh. He says, help me overcome my unbelief. Because you can still come before God right here in this church service and still struggle with your faith. You can still struggle with your faith. But he comes to Jesus. He says, help me overcome my unbelief. Help me, God. Because Jesus responds, we're there. It's faith. Faith is like a muscle. Faith is like a muscle. Once you start to use it a little bit more, it may start out pretty small, but once you start to exercise it, once you start to give time to, to using your faith and stepping out in faith and, and praying to God and believing in faith, the muscle begins to grow. Your faith begins to grow. And so, in another scene in the Bible, Jesus is talking with his disciples. And I want to give you some kind of answer today if you're struggling with your faith. Jesus is, is conversing with his disciples, and his disciples ask him, he, they say, Lord, increase our faith. Again, an honest prayer. It, it may be hard to admit, but you may feel like the disciples, and you may be coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, increase my faith. And I wish that 
Jesus would have given them a three-point sermon on how to increase their faith. That would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? Sometimes Jesus, he doesn't answer the questions people pose him. And I think he did it so that it invites us to read his words and to pray and to seek the Lord. But they say, they say Lord, increase our faith. It's an honest prayer. It's an honest prayer. Increase my faith. Jesus says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, that's, it's, it's pretty small. I, I looked it up on Google Images this morning, and it had a picture of a, a, a finger, and there's just a little seed. That's how small a mustard seed is. He says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted into the sea, and it would obey you. If you have faith this small, you can speak to a tree, say, be uprooted, and it will obey you. In another place in Scripture, Jesus is teaching on the same kind of idea. And he says, you can speak to this mountain and say, be thou removed, and move the mountain. With this much faith. So I've, I've kind of, I've posed this question, you know, the Bible, it speaks about the radical claims of, of, of faith and how important it is to have faith in God. And, and oftentimes we come to the Lord and we feel like we don't have faith because God in his infinite plan and how he's orchestrated the world and how we live our lives, he responds to faith. He doesn't work where there's unbelief. If there's unbelief, he doesn't work. God is completely sovereign over this entire world and his, what he wants done, he will get done. God is sovereign, don't get me wrong, but God responds to faith. And so he makes, the Bible makes these radical claims about faith and then how are we supposed to reconcile that with the little faith that we feel? You may feel like you have faith as small as a mustard seed. Or maybe you don't even feel like you have faith at all. What are we supposed to do? I think in this teaching by Jesus, he's saying maybe it's not so much about how much faith you have, but who your faith is in. Maybe it's not about how much faith you have, because again, faith is like a muscle. Your faith may be small right now because you haven't stepped out in faith, you haven't exercised your faith. But maybe it's not so much about how much faith you have, but who your faith is in. If your faith is in God, remember what Jesus said, anything is possible for them who believe. If you have faith in your master and your creator and your savior and Jesus Christ, the living God, anything is possible because it's about who your faith is in. If you feel like your faith is small, if you feel like you're that father bringing your son before Jesus, all Jesus needs is a little faith to work with. Because once people start responding in faith, God starts moving. I don't understand it. I don't know why this is the way it works. But when faith starts rising in a people, when faith starts rising in somebody, God starts working. Because God will respond to faith. God responds to faith. 
When I first started um, answering the call of God and, and giving my heart to the Lord, I was your classic freshman in Bible college, zealous um, young preacher. Um, and, you know, images of young preachers in my mind, you know, they don't really know where they're going. They have about 30 pages of notes. They're constantly flipping, and they go through in about five minutes. That was me. Um, but when I, when I started giving my, my heart to God and, and my life to God, I, I felt like I had so much faith. I, I would go, and I would, I would pray, and I would put on, you know, some, some, some good worship music. And I, would, I had to pray in a, an abandoned dorm room because I had a roommate, and I didn't want to, you know, bother him. So I go. And I, I was just start praying. I'm like, God, I got faith. You know, all things, it's, it's great. Life is good. I'm giving my life to the Lord. And I prayed a prayer. And this is, again, the lesson is true. Pride comes before the fall. And I began to pray, and I began to say, Lord, I got so much faith. I, I believe for all this, and I, I prayed this prayer. Be careful what prayers you pray sometimes. God might answer it. I said, Lord, test my faith. I was prideful. I had my chest puffed out. You know, I, Lord, I believe for you to do all things. And I said, Lord, test my faith. I had no idea what I was going to go through for praying that prayer. I went through years of struggling to believe God. I think there's two different kinds of faith. There's, there's faith for God to, to, to do something miraculous in your life and to hear prayer. And then there's, there's faith in God himself. He who comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists. And the very foundation of my faith was shaken. The ground, the carpet was swept underneath my feet. And I had no faith. And I was just like that father I... I would pray, that scripture was my saving grace. I would pray almost every day, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And this went on and on and on and on. And finally I was at, I was at a service. And the preacher was, was preaching and he was preaching about faith. And he was preaching about the power of of the word of God, and I was internally battling in my mind about my faith and, and, and belief and, and all of these things. And then he said a line that I never forgot. He said, if you have enough faith to pray, you have enough faith. If you have enough faith to pray, you have enough faith. That's all that father had. All he had was enough faith to pray, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. But he had enough faith to pray. And then a couple months later, I was in another service, and the preacher was preaching about faith and believing God to do the impossible. And he said another phrase that stuck with me. He said, don't believe your doubts, and don't doubt your beliefs. Don't believe your doubts, and don't doubt your beliefs. And I'll finish the, the story of the man and his son. 
Jesus, he's standing before this man and his heart is, is saddened by this. It's just a sad situation. A man who's lost his faith. A broken man with a son who's been taken over by the enemy. And so Jesus, he points to that spirit, that evil spirit. He rebukes the spirit. And he says, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And the devil doesn't like when you start stepping out in faith and when you start speaking in faith. And so the spirit shrieked, convulsed the child violently, and finally it came out. And the Bible says the boy looked like, it looked like he was dead. And so everybody said, he's dead. They, the crowd's kind of confused. They thought that Jesus was he thought he, they, he casted out the spirit, and so the spirit leaves, but the boy looks like he's dead. And when you come face to faith, face with your greatest fear, and when you come face to face with your faith and believing God, it's going to feel like, right before it gets better, it's going to feel like it's, de- it's dead. For all intents and purposes, my faith was dead. Right before God does a work for your faith, it may seem like it's dead. It may seem like there's no hope for your child. It may seem like there's no hope for your situation, for your trial, for your, your condition of faith. And it may seem like there's no hope. And it may look like that boy laying on the ground. They said, he's dead. But then... Jesus took him by the hand and lifted the boy to his feet. And he stood up. Because when your faith is dead, Jesus, as a lamb, will stoop down to where you are and he'll pick up your hand and he will raise you up and he'll reignite that faith like a child that was once in your heart. When it feels like your faith is dead and you have no more faith, It feels like you have unbelief. You can't see God working in your life and in your family, in your job. Students, you can't see God working in your life. You can't feel God. You can't hear God. You can't receive anything from the Lord. And you feel like your faith is dead. Jesus, he comes down. He picks you up by your hand. He dusts you off. He reignites your faith. And then the disciples ask, why couldn't we drive out the Spirit? Jesus says, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. If you feel like your faith is dead in the house tonight, this morning, I'm here to reignite your faith. We know from scripture, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Lord has spoken to us through this word, through his word. 
If your faith is dead, Jesus has spoken. It's not dead. If you feel like your faith is dead, Jesus has spoken. It's not dead. He will resurrect your faith. He will resurrect your faith. And if you need some words from God, I've got some words from God for you. He says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried away in the midst of the sea. Though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of our God. The Lord of hosts is with us. With us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. If you need faith in the house for God to do a work in your life, the God of Israel, the God of Jacob, Jesus Christ, is in this house this morning. If you feel like your faith is dead, he's resurrecting your faith. Via Simi, you feel like your faith is dead, he's resurrecting your faith. If you have doubts for God to do a work in your life, he's resurrecting your faith. The psalmist said, who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. Once you realize who your God is, your faith is resurrected. Because it's not about how small your faith is, it's about who your faith is in. Your faith is in the living God. The Lord spoke to me earlier today. He said he's pouring out the gift of faith in this house. If you need faith in this room for God to work, he is pouring out faith right now. He's giving out faith. Remember the scripture said if you lack wisdom, if you need something from God, just ask the Lord with faith. Just ask the Lord in faith. If we could all stand here this morning. Jesus, God. In the beginning of that story, Jesus said, you unbelieving generation. The people there had no faith. I believe that in this church, in this back to school Sunday, we don't have an unbelieving generation here. We have a generation of faith. We don't have an unbelieving generation in VSM, in the kids' ministry, and in this church, but we have a generation of faith. I believe that faith is rising in this room for God to do a work in your life. Bring your shame, bring your guilt, bring your doubts to the Lord and cry out like that father did and say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief because if you have enough faith to pray, you have enough faith. I believe that in this school year, through these students that they are going to step out in faith and do something for God that they've never done before.
because faith is like a muscle. Once you, like Peter, step out on the water, it's a little bit shaky at first, but then you take another step and it starts getting stronger. And you may fail, you may mess up, and you may fall into the water stepping out in faith. But again, a hand comes plunging through the water to pick you back up and to set you back on your feet. If you feel like your faith is dead in the house this morning, it's being resurrected right now. Just ask the Lord. Say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. If that's you in the place this morning and you need your faith resurrected, Jesus is offering a hand right now at this altar. Come and pray and ask the Lord to help with your unbelief. Come and pray and say, Lord, my faith is small. But Lord, I want to exercise my faith. Lord, I want you to increase my faith. Jesus, I want faith that can move mountains, God. I want faith that can move mountains, Lord Jesus. I have faith, God. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.